All right. Thank you, Lord, so much for your presence today. Thank you for your power. Thank you for our mothers today, God. Thank you for mothers that pray. Thank you for the word that we're about to receive. Let it enter our hearts and bring increase in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I I came across a really great quote this week. Washington Irving wrote that a mother is the truest friend we have. Uh, When trouble thickens around us, still will she cling to us and endeavor by her kind precepts and counsels to dissipate the clouds of darkness and cause peace to return to our hearts. That's what a mother does. That's the ideal of what a mother does is that when everything else is going wrong, a mother will be there and help bring protection and love and try to bring peace back into your life. And I am extremely grateful today for the mothers in my life. My mother-in-law, as I mentioned, is a wonderful woman. She's embraced me and brought me in as her own. Uh, my own mother deserves a, an extra jewel in her crown uh, when she gets to heaven. Uh, for all of the days, weeks, and months she spent on her knees praying for her prodigal son to come back. Uh, and most importantly, my own wife, who I absolutely adore, uh, who is my best friend, and I am so deeply grateful for her, and I honor her today as well. Um, the the uh, British novelist Joseph Conrad uh, wrote a little humorous quote, which I liked, and he said, being a woman is... A terribly difficult task since it consists principally in dealing with men. Um, <laughs> they, they're long-suffering, uh, and we celebrate that. So today as I was preparing this, or this week as I was preparing the sermon, I had been planning to use this theme, Ordinary Women, Extraordinary Lives, to talk about a few of the women in the Scripture and sort of give a, uh, use them as a template or as a moral example to how the women in, in our congregation, um, you know, could, could lead or could follow their lead. But the more I thought about it, I thought, really, this Sunday is not about sort of trying to, to encourage the women in our congregation to do a better job. Uh, today is about talking to the rest of us to celebrate the job that, they're, that the women are already doing. Um, so today is about the sons, the daughters, uh, the, the husbands, the friends, celebrating and honoring the women in our lives. There are a lot of, and, and we will do this, but there are a lot of amazing women in the Bible. Miriam, Moses' sister, who we kind of touched on a couple weeks ago, she was protecting her little baby brother when he was, uh, when he was in a basket in the reeds and Pharaoh's daughter uh, pulled him out and, and uh, she ended up leading the Israelite children in praise and worship as they left Egypt. Ruth was an exemplar of loyalty and noble spirit, self-sacrifice. Esther, if you've ever read about her, she had an incredible courage. She stood up uh, at the risk of her own life to save her people. Deborah, uh, the story of Deborah is a, an amazing woman who was a prophetess who was a judge, the only female judge in, in Israel. Uh, she was actually a warrior. She, she led a very pivotal counterattack against the enemies of Israel. Hannah was a woman of deep faith, intense prayer. She gave her son to God, who, who became a prophet, Daniel. Mary, the virgin peasant girl from uh, Nazareth, who raised Jesus, our Savior. Uh, and then the female disciples of Jesus, many of whom funded his ministry and who were also the first communicators of the gospel, uh, they were the first ones to have seen him raised and to communicate uh, that he was raised from the death, uh, the dead. And then the women of the early church. Scripture recounts them. Lydia, Phoebe, Priscilla, Lois, Eunice, 
Tryphena, Tryphosa, a number of women uh, in the early church who helped to really spread the gospel. So as I said, someday we will go through and use uh, and discuss these women and then, you know, use them as a, as a template for, for our own lives. But today, based on the scripture that we're going to read, we're going to focus more on those of us who are honoring the women um, and, and, and encouraging us to honor and respect and love them. Uh, so women, today we want to take a few minutes to celebrate you, to thank you, to honor you, to support you, to stand in awe of you, to encourage you, and to sing your praises. Is that all right if we do that today? All right. <laughs> um, so I wanted to start by reading the, this, this poem. This is a poem from Proverbs. Um, and these are the last four stanzas of the poem. And it says, Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. That's what he says to, to her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Um, you can't see it in English, but this is an, what's called an acrostic poem. Uh, an acro- do you know, anybody know what an acrostic is? The, the, the one where you, you use a different letter to spell the beginning of each line of a poem. So the, the famous one is actually used on Mother's Day where they say, uh, M is for the many uh, things she gave me. O means only that she's growing old. I don't know why they put that line in there. Uh, T is for the tears she shed to save me. H is for a heart that's pure as gold. E is for the eyes with love light shining. R is right and right shall always be. Put them all together, they spell mother, a word that means the world to me. You remember that growing up? Um, And this poem is also an acrostic. From verses 10 to 31, we're only reading the last four, but from verses 10 to 31, the writer used the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet and went straight through the Hebrew alphabet. And so there are 22 stanzas to the poem. There are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. And a lot of times when we do an acrostic poem, we do it because um, we want to convey a deep affection. So that's why this mother acrostic, M is for the many things she gave me, you know. So, So that's what the writer is doing here. He's showing all of the affection, all of the value, all of the importance that he's imputing to this godly woman that he is uh, encouraging us to celebrate. Um, And so today I want to just give us what I'm calling seven principles, seven principles for honoring your wife, mother, sister, or friend. Okay? So we're including everyone in here. There's something in here for everyone. Um, I, I remember when when before Rebecca and I got together, in fact, we weren't dating or anything. I had known Rebecca many, many years um, earlier. And when I was in my early 30s, my mom and my sister sat me down and they said, Brent, when are you going to settle down? When are you going to just cool your jets and settle down and find a nice girl and get married and all that kind of stuff? And I had known Rebecca from years earlier and I told my mom and my sister, I said, you know, if I could find a girl like Rebecca Radmer, that's the kind of girl that I would marry. Never thinking in a million years that God would bring the two of us together. First of all, she's, she used to be 10 years younger than me. She's caught up now, so we're, we're even now. But, <clears throat> but uh, no, she was 10 years younger than me, and, and I, she was 
to me that when I, when I knew her when she was younger, she was just this really sweet, you know, 18-year-old girl that seemed really cool and really sweet. Never would occur to me that we would get to be married. But at that time, she was my ideal woman. She was, I wanted to find a woman like her. God is very good, and he actually brought me her. Um, so there are a few principles here that I want all of us to, to incorporate um, as many as, as we can into our lives to honor those women that are in our lives that God has brought to us. And the first principle is to recognize her virtues publicly. Um, Rebecca is actually very good at this. If you are friends with us on Facebook, every once in a while, the, a Facebook, you know, writing will pop up, and it will say, um, you know, I love my husband; he's so neat, and all of this kind of stuff. Uh, I actually tried to, um, I tried to repay the compliment last night when I was, or yesterday when I came home. Rebecca was at home with a glue gun and some tape and some scissors, and she was making all of these baskets by hand. And I walk in, and I just go. I mean, you're so awesome. I said, I'm going to take a picture of you and put it on Facebook. But my phone was not charged, and so it didn't work out. So I'm doing it here today. Um, <laughs> so we'll load this sermon onto Facebook. Uh, but but the, the, the scripture that, that we just read, Proverbs 31, it says, Honor her for all that her hands have done, and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. It's telling us, the reader, to honor that woman in our life, to honor her publicly to make a public declaration of her honor and her virtue. Let her praise be spoken of and sung at the city gate. Um, So I want to encourage all of you guys, especially guys and husbands, uh, to honor your wife publicly. When you are at a dinner or you're with friends, just, just give her some honor. Give her some credit. I cannot tell you how powerful and how healing and how wonderful that is um, for, for her. So number one is to honor her publicly. Number two is to express affection in ways that resonate with her. Um, many of you may have heard of the author Gary Chapman. He wrote the book called The Five Love Languages. And in this book, he, he proposes that all of us experience love in different ways. Uh, one of the ways that someone might experience love is by words of affirmation by saying, hey, I really think you're great. I really love you. Another way is by quality time. Some people just feel loved when you're sitting next to them. Uh, You don't have to be doing anything special, but they just feel loved when you spend time with them. One of the the third love language is receiving gifts. Some some people feel loved when they receive a gift. Now, I'm not a gift person, so you can give me a gift, and I may forget it, because I, it, doesn't, it doesn't resonate with me. But, I, you know, if, if you spend time with me, then that makes me feel loved. And so it's really valuable to find out what language your, your mother or wife or girlfriend is speaking so that you can speak that language to her to show affection to her in a way that resonates with her. Another one is acts of service. Acts of service. Some people feel loved when you do something for them. Um, and another one is physical touch. So putting an arm around her or patting her on the back or holding her hand, um, that might be something that, that would make her feel very loved. And you may, you may feel an, an incredible amount of love for her, but she doesn't know it because you, you haven't held her hand or, or, or put your arm around her. Um, I have a friend who, he is a, what he would be classified as an acts of service kind of guy. Uh, so he works really hard. He does a lot of 
great things for his wife. But she is a words of affirmation person. She feels loved when he says, I love you. And he doesn't, it doesn't occur to him to say, I love you, because that, would, that doesn't mean that much to him. What means something to him is acts of service. And so he was, we were talking, and he was having this struggle because he was trying to let his wife know how much he loved her, and yet she was feeling not loved. And, uh, and so we got to talking, and, I, and I, kind of, I kind of did my armchair psychologist thing, and I pulled out my Gary Chapman, and I said, so what, out of this list, what do you think would be hers? And he said, words of affirmation. He said, she really, if I do say I love you or I appreciate you, that really hits home for her. Um, and, but I just never think to do it. And I said, well, here's what you do. Get your phone, put a little calendar reminder in there, uh, and then throughout the day when the phone dings, you just send her a little text message and say, I'm thinking of you, and I love you. And he's done that, and it's been very, very productive for him. And uh, he's, he's found out that she feels deeply loved, and, you know, whenever he says this, so now he's got a reminder that dings every day. Um, I, I, I think we talked him into sort of doing it at, different times in the day so that, she, it, you know, it wasn't like 11.45 every morning. She was like, ah, that's weird. He did that again. Um, so be sure to communicate with her in the language that she understands, right? Don't speak Portuguese if she only understands Greek. Does that make sense? Um, number three is build up a surplus of confidence and trust with her. This is called what I call marital math, and I didn't make that up. There was a there was a, a leading researcher named John Gottman. John Gottman has analyzed couples. He's the leading researcher in relationships. He has analyzed couples for 40 years, thousands of couples, and he has dialed this down into the basically the Dow Jones Industrial Average of, of interactions. And this goes not only for husband and wife, but for kids and friends and everything else. And the ratio is five positive interactions to one negative interaction. Five to one. If you find that your positive interactions start to get less than five, uh, yes, less than five to a one negative interaction, then a relationship becomes strained. And, and what happens is uh, you kind of think of it like a bank. If you're having a lot of positive interactions, you're making deposits in that emotional bank of love and trust. And then when you have sort of a a real scathing argument, you're making a withdrawal, all right? So when you, and it, you know, we're all going to argue, we're all going to, you know, fuss, and, and, but if you have enough surplus of positive interactions, when you make that withdrawal, it's not going to deplete the, uh, the account. Does that make sense? Um, so five to one, that's the marital math, according to John Gottman. Second Timothy 2, 22 through 23 says, pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. And then here's the part that I love. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. Leave it alone, right? If it's just one of those foolish, quarrelsome controversies, leave it alone. Uh, you know, some of us, we, we, we get into the mind where we want to win that argument, right? We want that notch on our win column. The problem is, if you go too far down that road, you will be celebrating all alone. So I would encourage you... Um, to, to focus more on sustaining and loving and building the relationship and not winning the argument. Number four, exceed expectations with surprise. Um, this was another fascinating 
area of research that I found this week, and that is uh, that these, these uh, scientists from Emory University have discovered that what is more important than doing something for someone that they like is doing something for someone that they don't expect. Uh, Gregory Burns, a uh, neuroscientist from Emory University, says the brain finds unexpected pleasures more rewarding than expected pleasures. So every once in a while, surprise her. In fact, there's a great um, exercise that a lot of men are doing. It's the 30-day marriage challenge. And what they're doing is every day, they're planning it out in advance, but every day of the month, they're doing something special without acknowledging it, without saying anything, but they're doing something special and unexpected for their wife or girlfriend. And that means one day they may just bring home, you know, a flower in a vase. One day they might, you know, bring home... Uh, uh, you know, a necklace. The next day they might say, hey, let's go get some ice cream. doesn't have to be expensive, but every day do something to surprise her. Now, if you're going to try this challenge, don't start it today because she will be on to you from day one, and you will lose the benefit of the challenge, Um, but wait and be stealthy, and then, you know, in like two weeks, suddenly start your 30-day challenge. Um, So exceed her expectations uh, uh, with surprises. Number five. Carve out time for her exclusively. This is hugely valuable and important. Carve out time for her exclusively. I spoke with a friend this week whose parents divorced when he was in high school. Uh, and, you know, we were talking about it, and, 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 and he said, uh, I said, what happened? You know, what was, did anything major traumatic happen? He said, no. He said, what happened is they raised three boys, and as they're raising these boys their focus and their interest turned to raising the boys and they completely lost track of each other. So when the third boy got into high school, uh, these, you know, his parents looked at each other and said, well, you know, who are you? <laughs> what are you doing here? Why are you hanging around? They had, they had failed to carve out that time, focus on each other, and spend that time together. So I want to encourage you guys today uh, to do that. Set aside as, you know, a date night. Uh, set aside a time. Carve it out and put it in stone and don't let anything get in the way of that. Um, if you'll notice, I was out mowing my yard this week. In fact, all my neighbors have given me a, a hard time because our yard, I don't know about you, but our yard, um, it doesn't have grass as much as it really has weeds and clover, and uh, they tend to grow really quickly, and so I came home the other night, it's been raining, I came home the other, the other night, it was about 8.30, 8.45, I, was, I had been at a meeting, and I wa- I'm walking up, you know, and it's kind of dim, it's kind of dark, but I can see these mat. I mean, they're, they seem like they're two feet tall, so I, I just couldn't take it, I went back into the garage, started up the mower, and about 9.15 at night, I'm mowing my lawn. Um, and all my neighbors have commented on it since then, like, hey, what are you doing tonight? <laughs> Weed, weeding? Um, but I've noticed that the weeds take, they, they require absolutely no nurturing whatsoever. They grow all by themselves. They're fine. They just pop up. They spring up on their own. I don't need to do anything, right? But the grass and the flowers, that requires gardening. That requires focus. That requires some time. And so it's the same in our relationships. If we want weeds to spring up, just don't do anything, right? Because that's what will happen. And that will be strife and that will be bitterness and that will be anger, right? But if we want 
uh, to have, uh, if we think of our, our relationship as a garden, if we want to have something beautiful, we have to take time and we have to spend time working on it. Um, number six, communicate deeply by listening. This is the hard one uh, for me because I, uh, I am the king of offering unsolicited advice. Um, if you don't want advice, don't talk to me because I can't help myself. Uh, I just find myself offering advice. It's, a, it's sort of a knee-jerk reaction. I think a lot of men especially may struggle with this. Our wife or girlfriend or friend or mother or sister may come to us and say, you know, I, you know I'm having a problem at work or I'm having this problem or that problem. And while they're talking, we're formulating the response, right? We are formulating the fix. And we just can't wait for them to end the sentence so that we can jump in with our immense wisdom and let them know precisely what they should do to fix the problem. Has anybody but me struggled with that? No one is admitting anything. Uh, wow, guys, thanks. Okay, thank you, Charles. Jeez, Louise. Uh, <laughs> um, sometimes she wants understanding. She doesn't want to be fixed. She wants understanding. First Peter, th- Peter figured this out. First Peter 3, 7 says, live with your wives in an understanding way. Spend time listening and trying to understand. Sometimes she just wants you to be on her side. She wants to explain the problem to you so that you can just be on her side. Um, the, the, uh, the, the ancient Greek writer Diogenes Laertes says, we have two ears and only one tongue in order that we may hear more and speak less. And so that's just an encouragement to all of us. And that's not just wives, that's friends, that's sisters, that's mothers. Take time and just listen. Just listen. Number seven, and this is the last one. Apologize sincerely and put loving before winning. One of the best ways that we can gauge our, emo- our emotional maturity with other people is by how sincerely we apologize and how unadorned our apologies are. Sometimes we adorn apologies with excessive verbiage that undermines the apology. Has anyone ever had, had that happen? Um, there are three classic, what I call, ineffectual apologies. Three classic ineffectual apologies. One is the deflecting apology. This is, I'm sorry that things didn't work out. I'm sorry that that issue arose, right? That means I'm sorry, but it's not really my fault, and I'm not going to take responsibility, right? The things outside of my control are at fault. That's the deflecting apology. That is not a, that is not a useful apology. Um, the second one that I love is the justifying apology, and that one goes like this. I'm sorry, but right? I'm sorry, but you see, and basically what you're saying is, I'm sorry, but I'm not really sorry because I was completely 100% justified in doing what I was doing. But I need you to, you want to hear I'm sorry, so I'm just going to throw that in, right? That's not a good apology. That's, a, that's, that's the second of the ineffectual apologies. The third one is, is probably, you know, the worst, and that is the reversal apology. That's where you say, I'm sorry that you feel that way, Right? 
I'm sorry that you're offended, right? Because what you're saying there is, I'm not really sorry, and actually you should be sorry, right? I'm sorry that you feel this way. It's your problem. Off you go. Good luck. Um, <laughs> 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. This is the wedding chapter, right? And, I, and, and, it's, and it's rich. I mean, it's deep. It says, love does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, uh, and endures all things. So love does not insist on being right. And this is just something I think all of us, you know, can work on when we're honoring and respecting the women in our lives, that we don't have to be right. We can say, I'm sorry, and leave it at that. Right? Because what's more important is the, the growth, the development, and the love of the relationship and uh, not so much winning the argument. Um, so those are my seven principles to honoring your wife, mother, sister, friend. If you can employ one of those this week, I think you will experience a, an amazing growth in your relationship. I think you'll experience a lot of joy. My wife is smiling right now, so she's going to hold me to this. Um, <laughs> she, this is ammo for her. Uh, uh, but I just want to encourage all of us today, whether we are sons, daughters, sisters, you know, brothers, whatever we are, let's, let's, do, let's try to incorporate some of this into the relationships with the women who mean the most to us. God has put these women into our lives, and it's our job, it's our priority to honor, respect, and revere them. Amen? Amen. So let's close with this. I just want to say mothers, daughters, sisters, wives, we honor you today. We celebrate you. We sing your praise in the city gates. May you be encouraged and strengthened. And may it be said of you, as it was said of the little peasant girl in the village of Nazareth long ago, blessed are you among women. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the women that you've put in our lives. God, we ask today that you encourage all of us, all of us, to, to honor them, nurture them, strengthen them, show them love and encouragement, and show them respect, God, and, and so, that, so that they can blossom and become the women that you have called them to be. Father, we ask that you give all of us the strength to do that and the grace to do that. We worship you, we love you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.